Welcome to Disaffected. I'm Joshua Slocum, and this is the show where we talk about politics, culture, and relationships through a psychological lens. We're staying on what I am calling the Vermont Child Abduction and Mutilation Act. This time, it is in front of the Senate. The bill that we told you about last week, House Bill 89, has been duplicated in the Senate as Senate Bill 37, and it goes even farther. We're also going to talk about what it's like to live in Stepford, Vermont. I've got another dispatch for you. And we're going to end talking about why there is going to be no more nice at all. Men are angry. Men are speaking angrily. And we are going to speak angrily more. First, the Vermont Child Abduction and Mutilation Act, otherwise known as Senate Bill 37. It has all of the bad things that House Bill 89 has. So as a recap, there will be no cooperation in Vermont with out-of-state courts in violation of the U.S. Constitution if there is an issue in controversy where a child has been taken out of a state and brought to Vermont for the transing process. There will be no extradition of that child or of the parent to that other state if it is ordered by that other state, Vermont courts, cops, social workers, agencies, and law enforcement will continue to ignore this, again, in violation of Article 4, Section 1 of the United States Constitution, the Full Faith and Credit Clause. This bill also, as its House counterpart does, labels parental or other attempts to save a child from being transed in Vermont as abusive litigation, and it instructs Vermont courts and cops to ignore such attempts to save a child. Oh, here we go. Here's what's new in Senate Bill 37. And I'll tell you something, Republicans and Democrats. Republicans, I know there aren't as many of you in the Senate. Um, I, I, as I said on the show last week, I'm appealing to you directly. This is a monster bill. If you vote for this, you will be complicit in child mutilation. You will be a moral monster. If you have a conscience, if you have any courage, you must resist this. And if there are any Democrats out there, even one, even one who has a conscience, you must resist this too. This bill has just been introduced and read in committee. Um, I, the common questions that all of you will have, I will give you the answers that I do have. I don't have answers to everything. No, there is not a published schedule that will tell you when it will be heard out of committee. No, there is not a calendar that tells you when the next hearings will be. I can't tell you that. If you are interested in this, you must take responsibility yourself for visiting the Vermont legislature's website every day and checking to see what gets put on the calendar at the last minute. So this bill goes farther and it gets into regulating what health insurance companies may and may not do. From the law, I'm going to do the same thing that I did last week. I'm going to read to you the actual statutory text of the bill. And when it's confusing, I'm going to follow it up with a plain English translation from the bill. <clears throat> Discriminating against a health care provider as defined by section blah, 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 or adjusting or otherwise calculating a health care provider's risk classification or premium charges on the basis that the health care provider assists, provides or assists in the provision of legally protected health care activity in this state that is unlawful in another state. As a reminder, listeners, legally protected health care activity means transing. It also means abortion. Back to the law. Uh, another state's laws create potential or actual liability for that activity or abusive litigation against a provider concerning legally protected health care activity resulted in a judgment against the provider. Plain English translation, insurance companies in Vermont may not raise the premium rates for doctors who do abortion or who trans children. The state is telling them they may not do the very thing that insurance companies do, relying on actuarial tables to predict risk and cost. They're telling them, no, you may not. Unbelievable. 
even if the insurance company knows or, or has a very good idea that they are eventually going to be sued because they are going to be, if you, if you bastards here in the Vermont legislature think this is just going to pass into law and that's going to be the last thing that happens, you, you've got another thing coming. You have no idea how hard we're going to fight you. You are not going to win this. But this is deliberately depriving insurance companies of using their own data to be fairly compensated for an obviously high level of risk. Next part from the law. Coverage for gender-affirming health care services. And we will be reminding you exactly what those services are. Coverage. A health insurance plan shall provide coverage for gender-affirming health care services. Plain English translation. All health insurance companies in Vermont are now going to be required to pay for sex changes even on children. By law. Cost sharing, the coverage required by this section shall not be subject to any copayment, deductible, coinsurance, or other cost sharing requirement or additional charge. Plain English translation, any private health insurance or any state-run Medicaid must pay for sex changes, and the insurance company may not charge the recipient even a copay. It must be entirely free at the point of delivery to the customer. You and I, Vermonters, taxpayers, you and I, we will pay for somebody else's child to be mutilated. That parent won't. We will. That's right. Because it's the law and Vermont cares. You and I have to do co-pays for our prescriptions. I even had to co-pay for the surgery on my heart when I had a heart attack in 2010. Not the trans. Nope. They have a right. Remember, this creates a right in the state of Vermont. And when you create rights to health care, what you're actually doing is uh, creating theft of other people's money. So, um, Vermonters, you will be paying for child sex changes. Hope you like it. <laughs> Unbelievable. You know who the main sponsor of this bill is? Her name is Virginia D. Lyons. Hi, Jenny. What do you think you're doing? Do you know what you're doing, Ginny? This is what you're doing. Take a look at your screen, Ginny. That's phalloplasty. Do you know what that means? That means creating an artificial flesh tube Franken penis on a woman. Take a look at it. Take a look at that line that goes in into the bladder. Take a look at the skin harvested from the leg, gloving the leg in order to create that fake flesh tube for a young woman. That's what you did, Ginny. You being a good mommy? Are you caring? <laughs> no one's ever said that to you, have they, Ginny? I hope you and I get a chance to meet because I'm going to be as candid with you to your face as I am in front of this camera right now. Abortion is covered in the same manner in this bill. So, women who want abortions... They get to have them for free, and you and I get to pay for it. Medicaid or private insurance. So if we're not paying for it through tax dollars, we're paying for it. The premiums assessed on us. The bill is also a misconduct shield for all medical professionals who trans a child or who perform abortions. And again, I know that these are not the same issue. My main focus here, my main focus is protecting the children. That is more important than anything else in this bill. Abortion, whether you're pro-abortion, against abortion, or undecided, I do not give a shit and I don't care. The women needing abortions are not more important than the children here. This is about the children. But of course, they've tied this together because they know that no one in Vermont, even conservatives, no one in Vermont wants to be seen saying there should be any limit ever at any time on abortion for any woman under any circumstance. And that is reflected in our state law because there is no limit here. A woman may have an abortion on the last day of the ninth month. Nope, 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 nope. It doesn't matter that you say that will never happen. I'm merely accurately describing to you that that is what the law permits. That's a fact. You can handle it. From the law, healthcare providers, notwithstanding subsection E or any other law to the contrary, 
No health care provider shall be subject to disciplinary action by a board or the director solely for providing or assisting in the provision of legally protected healthcare activity. Plain English translation, the state regulatory board may not discipline any medical professional who participates in this child abuse. Again, from the law, a board or the director, and director refers to the director of the Department of Health, a board or the director shall not take adverse action on an application for certification, registration, or licensure of a qualified healthcare provider based on a criminal or civil action or disciplinary action by a licensing board of another state that arises from the provision of or assistance in legally protected healthcare activity. Plain English translation. Actually, I'm going to use an example. Recall that the state of Utah, thankfully, has made it criminal to transition children. Let us say that Bob Smith is a doctor in Utah. Bob Smith believes in transing children. Bob Smith, Dr. Bob Smith, transes children in Utah against the law. The state regulatory board strips his license. This Vermont law says that Vermont must give Dr. Bob Smith a license. It may not take into account the fact that he was stripped of his license because the reason he was stripped of his license in Utah is a legally protected healthcare activity in Vermont. So it's not that they're just not allowed to consider it. They must give Dr. Bob Smith a license. Thanks, Ginny. Mommy. Now, we get to a portion on pregnancy centers. These are, um, these are pregnancy support organizations that do not offer abortion. They're, they're, they're anti-abortion. Uh, they make people on the left very, very angry, um, hysterically angry, in fact. Uh, so hysterically angry that uh, people on the left are unable to acknowledge the reality that not every one of these pregnancy resource centers is actually deceiving women. We know that that has happened. We've seen it in some parts of the country, particularly the Deep South, where they will try to bait women, making it look like they uh, offer abortions when they don't. That's not what we're talking about here. Okay, I don't. The, I have, I have seen the pregnancy resource centers in Vermont. I have never seen them uh, act in that misleading way. Uh, but leftists can't even contemplate that such places exist. They are evil because they threaten Planned Parenthood. They're just evil. So here's the law. Um, They've written a special section against pregnancy centers that don't offer abortion that allows the state to punish these pregnancy centers for any misleading information found in advertisements, literature, or spots online. So from the law, on or before January 15th, 2024, the Department of Health and the Green Mountain Care Board shall, following consultation with relevant stakeholders, submit a report to the House Committee on Healthcare and the Senate Committee on Health and Welfare, identifying areas of the state in which people do not have access to abortion or birth care or gender-affirming health care services within a 50-mile radius, including recommendations to facilitate access to those services in the identified areas. Plain English, the Department of Health has to report where abortion and sex changes aren't perfectly geographically convenient within a 50-mile radius, and then come up with solutions to make that convenient. This state has not even, and I was going to say cannot, but it is not a question of cannot. It is is not willing to, doesn't care. We can't even get cell phone coverage outside of areas like Chittenden County, which is our most populous county. We can't even get high-speed internet in the many rural parts of this state that have not had fiber laid yet. It is 2023. We can't even get people cell service or internet service in the country. But God forbid you shouldn't be able to sex change a child, that you should have to drive 55 miles instead of 50. This is our lawmakers. Thank you, Ginny. <laughs> Back to the law. Now we get on to colleges. You're going to love this. 
Think about your experience at college. Think about what you went to college for. Think about what you think the purpose of college is. And then tell me how this comports with that. Higher education healthcare services, access to reproductive and gender affirming healthcare services. Gender affirming healthcare readiness means each institution, uh, let me stop for a second. When you hear the word institution, the law defines institution as the University of Vermont or any state college in the Vermont state college system. So when you hear institution, think Vermont college. Quote, gender affirming healthcare readiness means each institution's preparedness to provide gender affirming healthcare services to students or assist students in obtaining gender affirming healthcare services, including having in place equipment, protocols, patient education materials, informational websites, and training for staff, provided, however, that gender affirming healthcare readiness may include the provision of gender affirming healthcare services. Plain English, all institutions must be ready to mutilate children. Thing. All colleges must be ready to give you your abortion and to, to mutilate you. Maybe they're not children. Oh, I know. They're 18 to 21. Okay, not children, but they're students. This is in loco parentis. Is this what you would trust a college? Do you want to send your daughter to a college in the state of Vermont that is going to help make sure that she can poison her body with cross-sex hormones, that she'll get counseling that tells her that she's a man she can never be, and will actually facilitate her getting her tits cut off? This is what you want, Ginny? Good God. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with all of you? No, I'm not being diplomatic. No, I'm not tempering my tone. No, I'm not coming at you like a supplicant, hoping that if I act really nice that you'll listen to me. Fuck that. You're gonna listen to me right now anyway, because I am not the only one who is angry about this. We are not leaving this story alone. We are not leaving you alone in the legislature. You are not going to win this. God damn it. Back to the law. Oh, I'm sorry. We're going to move on to um, gender affirming health care and medication abortion services readiness plans. Kevin, we're skipping to graphic A12, please. Gender affirming health care and medication abortion services readiness plans. Each institution shall develop gender affirming health care and medication abortion readiness plans for its students. The Department of Health shall issue guidance to all institutions regarding the required contents of gender-affirming health care and medication abortion readiness plans in accordance with the relative capabilities of each institution to provide services, including directly providing gender-affirming health care services or medications or both in a health care center. <sighs> and if they can't do that, they have to be providing referrals for gender affirming healthcare services or medication abortions, or both, not provided in a health center, providing information to students about obtaining gender affirming healthcare services or medication abortions, or both available off campus and providing clinical and supportive care in a healthcare center for medication abortions, using medication lawfully dispensed through retail or mail order pharmacy. We have a little bit more on this. It's going to come into the next block. Come back to us after the break. Can't get enough of our love, baby? That's because you're not subscribed. Move that thumb over to the great big old subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. We put out audio-only exclusive content that you won't get on any other video platform, so make sure you subscribe today. Looking for a non-woke place to put your money where your mouth is? Put it where my mouth is. Disaffected supporters get access to our private Discord chat server, backstage episode recording sessions, surprise guests, and more. And all it takes is $10 a month. 
you've got two options. Either Substack, visit us at disaffectedpod.substack.com or go over to subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Remember, choose the $10 level or higher for Discord access. Welcome back. If you are just joining us, we are talking about Senate Bill 37, which is the companion in the Senate to Vermont House Bill 89. And I am calling these the Vermont Child Abduction and Mutilation Acts. These are bills that will make Vermont a sanctuary state for parents who want to trans their kids against the wishes of other parents. So to finish up what we talked about in the first segment here, uh, I'm going to go back to a portion from the bill that requires the health department to issue guidance to all Vermont colleges in the state system and the University of Vermont um, about what these colleges need to do to be, quote, uh, ready to provide medication abortions and ready to provide gender affirming health care services. Yes, this bill is saying that if in the state's judgment that that this college campus has the money and the capacity to have an on-campus health center that actually gives out the poison hormones, they're going to require the colleges to do that. And if the college can't do that, they're going to require the colleges to to um, have a bunch of literature and a bunch of referrals. So this is what college is for in Vermont now. Uh, guard your daughters and sons. Don't send them. Don't send them to school in Vermont. Do not allow your child. If you are watching me from outside this state, don't allow your child to go to a Vermont State College or UVM. Don't come here. I, it's not safe. Um, excuse me. This bill also says, um, in its oversight of, of colleges, every year the colleges, as I said in the last segment, they have to submit to the Department of Health what they're doing to, to be ready to offer all these things. And if the department doesn't think that they're doing a sufficient job, the department is going to give them remedial instructions. So, quote, from the law. This is graphic um, A16, Kevin. Each institution shall submit to the Department of Health annually any amendments or revisions to its gender-affirming health care and medication abortion readiness plans. And finally, on or before... January 31st of each year, the Department of Health shall determine whether the plans are adequate in proportion to each institution's capacity. The department shall provide further guidance to institutions with plans deemed inadequate that include remedial measures for the institution to develop an adequate plan. Plain English translation, Mommy Vermont is watching. Mommy Ginny Lyons is watching. This is the nanny state. This is the mommy. This is the matriarchy. You're going to have to prove, all you colleges, you're going to have to prove to mommy, mommy Vermont, that you're doing enough abortions and castrations and that you're doing so with sufficient enthusiasm, right? It's sort of like how, it's how the LGBTQ that homosexuals like me are alleged to be a part of, which we are not a part of, now expects things far beyond what my cohort of gay people expected in the 1990s. Tolerance isn't enough. Acceptance isn't enough. They're demanding celebration. They are demanding to be worshipped. And this is a tie-in to Cluster B as well, the constant theme that undergirds this show. I remember a year and a half ago now, I did a two-part episode called Over the Borderline, and it was about the specifics of my childhood with my mother who has borderline and narcissistic personality disorder. And I said during that episode that my mother was demanding respect from her children, but she was using the word respect, but what she was actually demanding was to be worshipped. my Not respected, worshipped. And that is what these people are demanding as well. That's what celebration means. They wish to be worshipped. This is narcissism, pathological levels of narcissism. And it isn't good for them either. You want to you talk about feeling empathy for people like this? This is also not good for them. But it sure as hell isn't good for the rest of us.
All right. I want to spend the rest of this segment not moving my chair around and angering Kevin because he's set me up in the shot in a nice centered way. <laughs> I want to talk about the degradation of social norms, and I'm going to give you an example from this week. And I've talked a lot about this on the show. The, the, the degradation of social norms, of etiquette, of politeness, of courtesy, things as simple as saying, excuse me, please, or pardon me when you walk directly in front of someone, right? Like you're at a store and you walk directly in front of them and you have to scooch by. People don't even do that now. They get up within three inches of your face and they don't even, they don't even acknowledge it anymore. Road rules. Road rules don't exist where I live anymore. Uh, people take red lights. People will go at a red light and just take it like there weren't other cars that had green lights. I talk about this stuff a lot, and I, I chronicle these changes, these social changes, because someone needs to. We need to acknowledge the collapse of our civil society. It's ongoing right now. We are in a cultural civil war right now. But we also need a historical record. It's my hope that if anything from the digital age survives in the future, if we survive, that some of this, some of the things we talk about on this show, some of these changes will make it into the historical record. And this is not about vanity. I do not care whether my name appears in the history books. It's highly unlikely anyway. There are 99.99999% of human beings who have ever lived, who are living now, or who will ever live, are going to be forgotten by history within two generations. That is normal. That is the state of being a human. We're mortal. There are billions of us. We're not going to stand the test of time, right? I don't care about that. I don't care. But I do care that people in the future will be able to see what happened. Because right now, the forces of woke are, are taking that away from us as we speak. They are erasing history. Just this week, the publishers of children's author Roald Dahl, Roald Dahl's books, are rewriting sections of his book to comport with modern political sensibilities. These are not small things. This is the erasure of history. And I'm going to share with you something that I wrote about on our Substack, And that's the place, viewers and listeners, if you want the written content, because I'm not just a one-trick pony, <laughs> you should be reading our Substack. But um, that's where the extra goes. And of course, that's also the place where you can support us. And I hope that you will. Um, there's a lot of free stuff on there, but I save the really good stuff um, and, and the more in-depth writing for paid subscribers. This week, let me tell you about what happened here in Vermont. These things that I'm telling you about, I ask you to think of them as bellwethers, not as small things, but as indicators. New normal. New normal feels like we are living in Stepford, Connecticut. And many of us actually are here in the Northeast. The Stepford, Connecticut, the fictional town from 1975, not the comedy remake of The Stepford Wives. Those of you in Gen X and early boomerhood will remember how good 1970s horror and science fiction really was. The made-for-TV adaptation of Ira Levin's novel, The Stepford Wives, can run circles around any big-budget theatrical release you see today. And if you remember that movie, you will remember the feeling you had when you watched it, when you were identifying with the characters, the feeling of being spied on, that there was a thin veil that separated you from a world that looked almost, but not quite, like the real world. This is the feeling I experience every day leaving my house to do business living here in Burlington, Vermont. The other day, I went to a specialty locksmith to get a set of keys cut. This is a family business. It's been around forever, and it's the place you go for serious security needs. These people know their stuff. The key grinders are honest 1940s cast iron mechanicals that can cut any key you've ever seen. There are none of these new digital machines that will only cut keys that they've been programmed to believe exist. No, you go to this place when you need actual service. 
So I pull up, it's in downtown Burlington, and I reach the front door, and I go to open it, and I notice a sign in all capital letters. We have a two-person limit at this time, exclamation point. Ring the buzzer to be allowed in and wait to be called, exclamation point. Okay, seemed odd. I ring the buzzer, and I wait for about a minute until I barely can hear the buzzer lock on the door opening. Because no, they, they, they won't give you the courtesy of, of saying hello to you over the intercom. New normal. No, nope. you, you just wait. You wait until you're called, peasant, contaminant. I go inside and it's a very small lobby with two cash registers, one on the left, one on the right. From counter to ceiling is plexiglass all the way around. Not just one of those freestanding barriers. I mean, from counter to ceiling. There's a new sign inside. Stand six feet apart, exclamation point, with little arrows showing you how to be apart from somebody, right? The plexiglass is tightly sealed at all the seams. And just above the height of the counter, there are two very small rectangular pass-throughs cut out, like you would see, like you would see in a bodega in New York City, and that you almost never see outside of crime-infested Urbania. If these are familiar to you in the place that you live, I'm telling you that they are unfamiliar to us in New England. We don't live this way. We didn't live this way before COVID, okay? Um, I don't want this here. And I don't think most people do either, really. But these little cutouts are so small that you could, many people would have difficulty putting their hand through anyway, right? But there's a sign, there's a sign to make sure about that. It says, no reaching your hand through the pass-through, exclamation point. Then I look at the staff, I can see two. And in the modern manner, they do not greet you, they do not make eye contact, and they turn away from you to answer the phone because you are not important and your presence as a customer is an inconvenience to them. Both the employees I can see are wearing face masks. Big, black, N95, the big ones with the cone that are so big, they obscure everything but the eyes. It's February, 2023. comes a third employee into the background that I can see, also wearing a mask, stocking parts. This third employee shares some characteristics with one of the other two employees. What are those characteristics? Neither of them can be sexed. I mean that I literally could not tell what sex these two employees were. And I'm very finely tuned to sex people. I know one of you is going to do it. I had to do it on the show anyway, because you're going to leave it in the comments. <laughs> um, I, I, I couldn't even tell from cues like height because I, I didn't know whether the floor behind the counter was elevated. So I couldn't tell if I was looking at somebody with male typical height or female typical. Neither of them can be sex. Why can't I tell what sex they are? Two reasons. One, morbid obesity on both of them. So obese that it had obliterated all visible skeletal structure, all visible facial skeletal skull structure that indicates male or female, and obscured the outline of the body in such a way that there just wasn't any way to tell. Um, number two, both of these people had voices that were either just in the overlapping range between male and female, naturally, some people have voices that hit that androgynous overlapping uh, pitch level. Um, but I couldn't tell if it was that or if they had testosterone voice because they were women who had taken testosterone. Um, why, now, why would I be thinking these things? Well, because it was obvious from their presentation that they wished to communicate something about themselves. Both of them had adorned themselves with either makeup or piercings, or jewelry, or haircuts that very clearly declaimed, I am LGBTQ queer. Very obvious what they meant to communicate. 
And if they had personalities, let alone disordered ones, you couldn't tell because they had no affect. No, I don't mean that they had weird affect. I mean that they had no affect at all. Dead eyes, monotone when they're speaking, no pitch modulation from up or down at all from the beginning to the end of the sentence. When they moved, they appeared to be falling in a direction rather than moving purposely. Have you encountered this? Have you seen this? It is zombie-like, this lack of affect. I'm seeing more of it these days. It's very disturbing. My skin was crawling. I felt the beginnings of a panic attack. I didn't have a full panic attack, but I, I wanted to get out of there as soon as I could. I felt very creeped on. This isn't normal. Any of this, this plexiglass, these signs, these buzzers, this mortification of the flesh, this isn't normal. This is new normal. And it's demoralizing me more every single day. This is what it's like in Vermont. And this is what it's like in many heavily Democrat progressive areas of the country. In talking with uh, disaffected supporters from around the U.S. and around the world, I know that it is not like this in many other places. Those of you in the U.S. who live in more southern or midwestern states confirm to me that it's not like that where you are. And I'm glad. And in fact, as, as one of our supporting members said, um, who lives in Iowa, Iowans aren't broken yet. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. But when you read this from me, you're not reading just one man's experience idiosyncratically in a little New England city called Burlington. There are millions of Americans who are living in cities and states like this. And I know this because they tell me. I know this because I have friends who live in Minnesota and it's almost as bad there. It may even be worse. I'm hearing that they also have a trans sanctuary bill that's coming up in Minnesota. These people, many of them, like me, are what I call noticers. Noticers have finely honed observation skills and they have finely honed gut intuitions. And those gut intuitions, I have them, many people have them. They're not perfect, they make mistakes, but they're pretty highly accurate above chance. My intuition is good. It isn't perfect, but it's damn good. And so it is with a lot of people who are also noticers. We can see this stuff and we can feel it. We know what that very quick glance means. We know that we are being sized up in public to suss out whether we have been robotized or whether we are still free humans. And no, what I'm telling you is not paranoia. It's real. What I'm seeing is real. In The Stepford Wives, in the movie The Stepford Wives, it turned out to be retired Disney Imagineers who clandestinely abducted their wives and replaced them or altered them into animatronic copies. They wanted docile, flighty, thoroughly domesticated wives whose greatest joy, aside from putting out, was scrubbing floors. In Stepford, Vermont, the roles are reversed. The Imagineers are women women like Virginia Lyons, sponsor of Senate Bill 37. And these women want docile, mindless, thoroughly domesticated and compliant husbands and sons and daughters and girlfriends and school children. Every day I can hear a line from the Stepford Wives in my mind. It's when the protagonist character, Joanna, notices that there's something wrong, something off about her friend, Bobby, an intelligent, well-educated, vivacious woman who all of a sudden seemed to be interested only in how mild her new coffee blend was. Joanna says to what turns out to be the animatronic replacement, Bobby, you've changed. Bobby smiles and flips her hair and says, isn't it wonderful? We'll see you after the break. Can't get enough of our love, baby? That's because you're not subscribed. 
move that thumb over to the great big old subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. We put out audio-only exclusive content that you won't get on any other video platform, so make sure you subscribe today. Looking for a non-woke place to put your money where your mouth is? Put it where my mouth is. Disaffected supporters get access to our private Discord chat server, backstage episode recording sessions, surprise guests, and more. And all it takes is $10 a month. You've got two options. Either Substack, visit us at disaffectedpod.substack.com or go over to subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Remember, choose the $10 level or higher for Discord access. Welcome back. I'd like to ask for your help. I'd like to ask you to monetarily support this show because it does take money and it's a labor of love when you're beginning a show. We're just two years old and it's still an uphill struggle. I hope that what we're giving you is worth something to you. I hope that we entertain you and I hope that we inform you. And I can tell you that we are the only media, as small as we may be, who are covering this story in Vermont about this horrendous bill. This is one of the worst bills in the United States, and Vermont has been explicit both about its school programming and about its laws that it intends to be a model for other states on this issue. No other media are covering this. We're staying with this story. We'd like your help, and it's easy to do. There's two places to go, but let's just talk about Substack. Go to disaffectedpod.substack.com and become a paid subscriber, please. And this is what you get if you do. You get access to all of the written content that's for paid subscribers only, in addition to this show. But you also get an invitation to our Discord private chat server. It's, if you haven't heard of that before, as I know some of you haven't, just go back to your old days of remembering IRC or AOL chat rooms. It's like that. It just has more capability. And there are more than 300 viewers and listeners in there who are sharing recipes, talking about the politics in their state, um, organizing uh, sharing stories about Cluster B and their families. There's just a, a wonderful group of people in there, and we'd love to see you. And I'll give you an example of, of the sort of thing that you'll see on the Substack. Um, this one. I put it up last night. Did this really happen? And I'll give you the teaser. Last night, for the first time that I can remember, a group of joggers openly tried to get hit by my car. I know. I know. It sounds paranoid. It's not going to sound paranoid after you read it. So if you'd sign up and support us, we'd really appreciate it. Once again, disaffectedpod.substack.com. You can also join on Subscribestar. That's the other platform, and we duplicate the content there. That's subscribestar.com slash disaffected. And if you want Discord access, join at the $10 level or higher. Thanks. This past week, the non-woke commentariat has covered its face in egg by going after one of the most effective advocates for children's safety that we have right now, whose name is Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh is a conservative Catholic. Women especially have a hard time hearing him because of his views on abortion, homosexuality, and some women have a hard time and some men have a hard time hearing him because they fantasize that it is Matt Walsh's desire to literally, legally, and forcefully subjugate all women. This is a fantasy, and it is a hysterical fantasy. It's not real. Last week, Matt Walsh told the truth about a social media influencer named Dylan Mulvaney. Dylan Mulvaney is a narcissistic gay man who has been prancing around on social media for at least a year, transitioning to become a woman, as he says, in front of everyone. He's made a series of ridiculous videos titled things like Day 16 of Girlhood or Day 96 of Girlhood. And he minces and he goes, I'm out on... 
day 50 of girlhood and I'm here in my backyard and there's a pond here. Ponds, love them. I'm wearing my hiking stilettos. Hiking stilettos, love them. It would be comedy 10 years ago, but we are supposed to take this seriously. He minces and fawns and giggles and acts like a bimbo stereotype. And he's been a spokes-translady for Tampax tampons. <laughs> Tampax. And he talks in his videos about how he keeps tampons on his person in case a lady needs one, in case a girl needs one. He also makes jokes about how hot he is and how if he were a less moral person, Women around him might want to hide their husbands because he wouldn't want to steal them. They're not jokes. They're not jokes. And he's a bad influence on children. He is modeling, Dylan Mulvaney is, psychiatrically and medically depraved behavior. Now, recently, he's had what's called facial feminization surgery. Do you know what that is? It's when they go in and they start shaving bones down after they peel your face away. Like the brow ridge right here, the male brow ridge. I've got an average one. Some men have a really prominent one. They shave down the brow ridge, shave down the Adam's apple. Maybe they try to restructure the shape of the cheekbones and the jawline. I think Dylan got, a, got himself a nose job thrown in there, too. So he's had facial feminization surgery, and he wants the whole world to tell him what a pretty, pretty girl he is. Matt Walsh refuses. Matt Walsh, about a week ago, on his show, told Dylan and the world what Dylan really is. A pathological narcissist a circus freak, a psychiatric head case. And a psychiatric head case who is trying to normalize operations on your children and all children that are on a par with the kinds of medical experimentation that was featured at the Nuremberg trials. And if you think I'm exaggerating, I invite you to rewind the tape and go look at the phalloplasty that we showed you earlier. Or go back to last week's episode and take a look at the Franken chest. Top surgery, it's just top surgery. Or take a look at the penile inversion that we showed you a picture of last week, turning a man into a woman, where they cut open the penis, they invert it, and they sew it back up into a dead end hole while cutting the nuts off. Is that what you want for your kids? People on our side, I'm talking about people who are against the trancing of children, who are trying to get us past this woke hysteria that we live in. People on our side lost their minds about Matt Walsh's tone and content. They called him mean. They said he was cruel. They said he wouldn't accomplish anything. Like commentators often do, They rather arrogantly supposed that they knew what Matt Walsh's goals were and that those goals were something called persuading people. It was a constant cluck fest of, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. And a lot of feminine hand-wringing about being nice and not being cruel. Let me tell you something about catching flies with honey and vinegar. Have you noticed, we've talked about this before, it's been a while, I'm going to mention it again. Have you noticed how many truisms or aphorisms are actually narcissistic reversals? I'll give you a couple examples. Blood is thicker than water, people say. That's not the original. The original sentiment was exactly the opposite. Or another one would be, um, oh, what, is the, what is the example that I had? Well, well, we'll just go with this one. People say you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. No, actually, in a, as a matter of actual fact, that's not true. 
Every year, I get fruit flies. I make traps to catch fruit flies. If I take a jar and I put sugar water in it and I cover it with plastic and I poke holes in it, eh, a few fruit flies will come in. If I really want to catch them and drown them, do you know what I put in there? Vinegar. That's right. Fruit flies prefer vinegar. So first of all, this truism isn't even true. It's another reversal. <laughs> but again, it assumes that what you're trying to do is catch flies. And Matt Walsh isn't trying to catch the flies these people think he's trying to catch, and neither am I. So who did this? Who, who, who decided to scold and scorn and correct Matt Walsh, who, regardless of how you feel about him, has actually accomplished things in the world, such as the bill in Tennessee that I believe has been passed now is awaiting the governor's signature that will ban mutilating children, will ban, ban so-called trans-affirming care. What have you done, commentators? Hmm? The people who said these things are people that I respect and admire. I'm not going to play drama tube. I'm not going to try to start some kind of ridiculous feud fest. It's stupid. I'm not motivated to do it. I don't want to do it. Wouldn't work out for me well if I did do it. That's not the point. I'm not saying I hate any of these people. But I am going to say my piece about it. Francis Foster and Constantine Kisson of trigonometry have really disappointed me, especially because I respect them so much. And I do. I've been on their show. Their show, Trigonometry, without that show, it would have taken me years longer to politically mature because what I got from their show was hearing interesting, provocative, and intelligent voices from all sides of the political spectrum, but a lot of them outside the left that I had never heard before. I'd never heard the arguments before. I credit Trigonometry with some of my political maturation. Their show is a big part of that, and it's a big part of changing people's minds. But they got this wrong. And frankly, gentlemen, you were awfully smug when you did it too. So was commentator Sidney Watson, who I also respect and appreciate. So was Jeremy of his podcast, The Quartering, who I also respect and appreciate. Many other people out there. Didn't accomplish anything mean, won't persuade anyone making us look bad. It went too far. It was so cruel, they said. Friends, colleagues, compatriots. The world of diplomatic nicety that you think you can have doesn't exist anymore. And you're well smart enough to know it. Get with reality or get out of the way. We are at war. We are in cultural civil war. We may actually end up in a hot civil war if something doesn't change. And if we have any chance of stopping that, we need men and women of courage and truth, like Matt Walsh, to say what needs to be said, bluntly and forcefully. What we don't need is your clucking. Clucking is what got us into this fucking mess. Being nice is what got us into this fucking mess. Here's how it's going to be with me and with us on this show. I am on full war footing and I am taking no prisoners. I am not going to tone down my approach. I will not even be 1% nicer or quieter. I am in this to win and I'm going to win. When I talked about this in a Substack essay this week, a couple of subscribers started to question my mental health. One of them, a paying subscriber, asked me if I was spiraling out of control because I'd seemed to be spiraling ever since I quit my job, you know, the one I was forced out of two months ago. This is most often a woman's game or a gay man's game. It's a way to intimidate men because women 
and many gay men are uncomfortable with unabashed male anger. Well, get used to it because there's going to be a lot more. I will not tolerate from anyone people questioning my mental health because I won't play nice. I know what that game means. And if you want to play it, find somebody else because I'll just cancel your subscription and ban you. I am not out of control. My anger is not disproportionate. I am right. My anger is proportionate. It is necessary as an example to others, especially people who are a little more timid. And it is not a sign of mental instability. I have never been more mentally clear in my life than I am now that I put the personality disordered monster out of my life and started over. I can see clearly now in a way that I could never see before. And to timid women out there, I have this to say. Men are back. Get used to it. Men are angry. Men are going to yell. You can stuff your kibitzing and your faux caring about our mental stability. Get used to angry men acting like angry men. You need it whether you know it or not. Your sex fucked this society up with wokeness and trans. And I'm not going to pretend that you didn't. No, it's not that men didn't participate. They have. But this has been a woman's game. There are plenty of women out there who see this too and are just as angry about this and want nothing to do with it. They are sick and tired of sororal treachery and morality preening by women, by mommies, because they get punished too. They're tired. They're tired of it because it brought us trans, it brought us Democrat and progressive supremacy, and it brought us the social approval of mutilating children. One person, however, took a different approach on the Substack, and she said, I just became a paid subscriber for exactly this kind of fearlessness. Thank you. During the COVID mandates on children in particular, a lot of us moms asked where in the hell men were. Most of them were busy being nice guys, worried about their standing in the community or about their paycheck. I am exhausted with the excuses people use in an effort to go along and get along. Sally. I'm here for people like Sally. I'm not here for wimps, wusses, hysterical damsels, mincing Nancy boys, or cuckolded straight men. Cluckers, your scolding doesn't mean anything to me. I'm sure it doesn't mean anything to a person like Matt Walsh, because you don't have anything that I need or want. I have lost almost everything important to me in the last six years of my life. I lost my mother, or I lost the illusion of a mother who cared whether I lived or died, and it was the most painful thing I have ever encountered. Nearly all of my friends walked away from me. A very few stuck around. Woke women successfully canceled me and cost me my 20-year career in my job as the most knowledgeable consumer advocate in my field who has done more to rewrite American funeral law to protect the grieving than anyone else in 40 years. And if that sounds vainglorious to you, I'm sorry, it is the truth. No one and nothing owns me, and I will give up everything before I stay silent in the face of socially sanctioned medical rape of children, legally and socially sanctioned abuse of white people, confiscatory taxes, and Marxist social programming designed to impoverish working and middle-class Americans. And I'm with the men. Men, are you with me, is the question. Men have a duty to stand up now. All men. And I'm also with the women who are fed up with it and can see the problem that their sex is engaging in right now, too. I'm with them. There is going to be no more neutered gay best friend for women who want a pocket pansy to show off at brunch. Those days are over. No going along to get along. No shying away from telling black people, trans people, gay people, or smother mothers to shut up. Matt Walsh did nothing wrong. The backlash to him proved to me conclusively that this is war. Never bend the knee. Never submit 
even if you have to die. They're killing your soul right now anyway. And if you think this isn't war, when in God's name do you think it will be? Good night.